it's Alex Suter here with another episode of Locked in a Podcast. Now, I know you've not heard from me for a while. I believe the last episode was actually about six months ago, but I said I'd be back and I'm back. So today we're going to be diving into the making of one of our most ambitious projects, Dinoland. So what was Dinoland? You could argue that it all started 65 billion years ago, but actually it was just 2017. It was a highly immersive and interactive escape room experience where players took on the challenge of being park rangers at the newest dinosaur theme park, Dinoland. They had to work together to solve puzzles and escape the room in less than 75 minutes, all while occasionally being chased by a T-Rex. So back in 2017, the panic room was expanding at an incredible rate, and our latest expansion was that we managed to secure a third location at the St. George's Centre, with a whopping 6,000 square foot of potential shenanigans for me and Monique to create experiences in. It was our biggest project and adventure to date, and with such a big project, there were many large obstacles we faced throughout its creation, and even after it was done. You know, when we started planning Dinoland, we decided to ditch the typical escape room blueprint. Instead, we were inspired by movies. We looked at the ways that films build suspense, drama, and release. We incorporated the Fitchtian curve into our design philosophy, This meant treating our escape room as a series of dynamic, tension-filled scenes following a three-act structure. It was quite a challenge, breaking away from our usual modus operandi, but innovation often means stepping outside of your comfort zone, and that's definitely something that Dinoland was. So when we first came up with some of the first inklings of what Dinoland could be, We originally looked at it being only about a thousand square foot, but as we delved more into the project and our imagination ran wild, we realised to do justice to the theme and to the experience, we needed more space. So, in the end, we expanded it into a sprawling 2,000 square foot, which is roughly the same of three typical escape rooms combined. All in all, when it was completed, Dinoland comprised of seven unique sections in the game. First of all, you had the amazing, vibrant outdoor area, and then at which point players would then traverse into a winding corridor area, which had a little fun little jump scare, where someone would then be suddenly dragged away by a velociraptor. Always good fun. Uh, The next is HQ. HQ is the central point where, at that point in the game, once players complete different sections of the experience, they would then be coming back to, to finally get to the finale. So after that, we also had the lift section, um, which was always a lot of fun, taking you through to a laser corridor, and then at which point through to a dinosaur laboratory, uh, including animatronic little baby raptors and eggs. And finally, you also have maintenance. Maintenance was where the big dinosaur scare would always happen, and that's where we always got the best reaction from teams. The final gameplay itself actually consisted of a really good mix between tech and traditional padlocks. We made sure that we had lots of wow effects to really keep the momentum going. However, we also wanted to make sure that we had some of the traditional escape room elements in there as well. Obviously, it was still an escape room. So this meant that parts of the game would be people controlling lasers to set off different sensors, um, using buttons on a lift panel, um, or even entering a password into an email system to try and find out some information about what's going on. But also mixed with that is your regular number or letter padlock that you would see in a regular escape room. 
as part of the shenanigans of putting Dynaland together, one of the pieces that we wanted inside the room was an actual Jeep. So one of the first things that we actually had to do was buy a, a secondhand Jeep, and at which point we literally drove it through our back doors, uh, down the corridor, and into the final resting place where it would go in the room. And it is still there to this day. I'm dreading the day that I have to figure out how to get it out, but hey, that's future me's problem, right? And what's Dinoland without dinosaurs? We found this amazing company down on the southwest coast that crafts these majestic, life-size statues of dinosaurs. And while they usually cater to theme parks and golf courses, they were more than willing to support our unconventional project, the Crown Jewel, a towering 12-foot T-Rex um, that graced our lobby. Uh, but we didn't stop there. To bring the real thrill of the dinosaur chase, we procured a fully functional dino suit with realistic sounds and even blinking eyes. The experience was surreal. The kind of suit that was used you'd regularly see at like kids' birthday parties and special events like that. However, it was perfect for our use. It allowed our member of staff to get in and out with ease and be able to get just the right jump scare at just the right moment in order to propel the experience even higher. So next up, I wanted to talk about the magical lift. Now, here's a little bit of a behind the scenes secret for you. So our big transition in the game involved a lift. The challenge was making players feel like they were transitioning from one location to another. The solution, craftsmanship, creativity, and uh, stand a stair lift. Uh, it sounds simpler than it was, uh, but after countless challenges from constructing the lift to seeing it fail before grand opening, it was a journey filled with highs and lows. The way that we used the stand stair lift was simply by having the long bar section straight flat on the floor. This allowed the actual mechanism to just simply move straight across the floor. So what we created was a chassis and a base for an actual lift compartment itself, which was then all put together and then rigged up to the stand stair lift. Now we had to make sure that it was strong enough uh, because obviously trying to transport eight people um, across an area isn't exactly the easiest thing to do. However, luckily, we made sure that there was enough uh, runners and make sure that there was enough movement uh, and momentum in order to be able to successfully make that journey across. Truth be told though, the lift quickly became the bane of our existence. After many delays to opening, we were kind of finally ready to open, uh, ready for the first public teams. After we had done loads of testing games that all ran fine, and then finally, just before the first public team, the lift got stuck and it just wouldn't budge. I'll always remember this moment as we were just absolutely devastated, having to break the news to the customer who were, to be honest, really lovely about it. In fairness though, they could probably see that I was about to have a breakdown. We had put everything on the line and if Dinoland didn't work, then it could well have spelled the end. It felt like the end. So we found out that what the issue was. It was due to the weight and it was causing too much damage to the boards that we put underneath the tracks. This created grooves inside the board which then it, the wheels would then get stuck in. So what we did is we end up sourcing uh, similar type of boards that you would see at construction sites for bulldozers to drive over. By using this kind of grade of board, we were able to have the lift successfully move over without causing any issues. So, the opening weekend. The opening weekend was a big mix of jubilation and a little bit of decimation. 
So due to all of these delays and issues, the only person that really knew what Dinoland was, was me. It was all in my head. So for the entire opening weekend, I was the park ranger running on nothing but sheer will. I was running around, screaming, leading the other park rangers to victory. Luckily, Monique would be sneaking drinks and snacks for a secret compartment in the lift to keep my energy levels up. But I can say with all certainty that by the end of the weekend, I was beat. However, the good news was, is that people absolutely loved it. All of the story beats that I had in my head, the jumps, the screams, the surprises, the reactions, they were all that we had hoped for all along. So one of the questions that we've had from both owners and customers alike is how we actually ran Dinoland. So the way that Dinoland actually ran is we had three members of staff running every single game. So it's broken into three roles. First of all, you had the park ranger, the person who was suited and booted and would be taking them through the adventure. The second person would be the person who was the dinosaur. So they would be in the dinosaur suit as well as assisting with any other bits during the game. And then lastly, you also had basically the games master. However, there was a lot more different things to do. So they would have to be communicating via walkie-talkie uh, with the park ranger to basically let them know different things that they can see to make sure that everything is on track and, and the right beats are happening. But also they were in charge of adjusting the soundtrack. Now this is back when we didn't have like as technical stuff or technical knowledge um, as, uh, as we do now. However, what we ended up doing was actually designing uh, music for every single scene during the game so at which point when people transitioned into different points of the game the music would change so it meant that the music fitted exactly with what they were experiencing rather than some of the usual escape room soundtracks where basically it's 60 minutes of music and it will get tense towards the end however sometimes you know if you escape it in 40 minutes you've still got the slightly less tense music with this, it meant that you had exactly what you were hearing was exactly what we wanted you to hear at that point, and it only elevated the experience. Now, from a budgeting point of view, this, of course, actually made Dinoland very expensive to run. Having three members of staff running a 75-minute game, it meant that there was a higher price point on the experience. But it was where it needed to be because it was such a different experience and it needed those people to operate the room as best as it can be. Something else to note would be the critical reception to Dinoland. So what we did find is that it actually had some mixed responses from people. And I think largely this is down to the completely different type of experience that it was. Some people would be simply just looking for an escape room experience. And ultimately Dinoland wasn't exactly a traditional escape room experience. If anything, it was more akin to crystal maze type adventure being led through a space while also still solving all the puzzles but as a team now obviously you can't please everyone but we really tried and we also tried to do something different and i think that most people even if it wasn't quite their cup of tea i think they could see the effort uh, that had gone into it to make the finished product at least i hope so anyway but like all stories ours had a twist the global pandemic meant rethinking our operations, and sadly, the immersive nature of Dinoland made it a challenge to adapt without compromising the experience. So, 
with a heavy heart, we had to close it down for good. But hey, we treasure the memories, the challenges and the joy that it brought to many. Dinoland might be history now, but its legacy is timeless. So some of you might be thinking about what happened to Dinoland after it closed. Well, actually, during the pandemic, we started developing a series of online escape rooms, which became extremely popular. So much so that we had to create a new customer service office, which ultimately ended up in Dinoland HQ. Um, so from there, we were answering all the calls, emails, and live chats um, throughout most of the pandemic. And going on from the online games, we also started to sell more physical games. So like board games, jigsaw puzzles, escape room mystery games. And so that ended up going inside the corridors where Dinoland was. So ultimately, Dinoland still had a very weird purpose. In the end, the vast majority of all of the dinosaur props uh, went to a lovely uh, golf course um, up north. Um, so luckily, it means that our T-Rex from the lobby is probably sunning it up most days. So, you know, we do miss him, but at least he's got a new home to go to. These days, though, that space has completely changed. Where you would have found some of the areas in Dinoland, like HQ, and where you would have found um, the likes of the lab section of the game, is now actually some of our new escape room experiences. So largely where the space where HQ was, plus a bit expanded, is where we now have our awesome Hell House um, horror experience. And then the back where the lab is, we extended it further out, and that is actually where our riddled game currently is. Now, we've still got the outdoor area and maintenance, which means yes, there is room for another escape room. However, we just have to have time to make it. As well as that, you know, future Alex's problem, I need to get rid of that Jeep, but we'll work it out, I'm sure. So, I think we'll wrap it up here. If any of you have any questions about Dinoland or anything else, feel free to email them over to don'tpanic at thepanicroom.net and I'll be happy to answer them, either via email or maybe on the next episode of the podcast, which won't be another six months away, I promise. So, until next time, just remember, don't panic. <laughs>